Speaking of messages, next Sunday I'm kicking off a new sermon series called Different. And I'm looking forward to this. There's some, there's some things that I believe that we've been called to do different than what we see going on in our world. Too many people want normal. And I don't believe God called us to be normal. I believe he called us to be different. Not the weird kind, though. Am I right? Not the weird kind. Tell your neighbor, don't be weird. We got enough of that. All right. All right, let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This is one of my, um, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible that has always uh, spoken to me. And I think for where we are as a church and where we're going, this is clutch. This is a clutch scripture for us to read today. And uh, it comes at the end of a chapter that is loaded. Acts chapter 2 is loaded because this is the chapter that the church was born and the Holy Spirit was poured out and, and there was a transfer from Jesus doing all the ministry and people helping him to him putting it in the hands of the people that he had been leading and now they're getting to do the ministry. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And each day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Watch this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Something was happening that they had never experienced before. And the result of it was favor with people and many people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And today I want to use this scripture to set up a message I've entitled All In all in. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that you're already working on our hearts and there's something that you want to say. And Father, I have this message to preach, but you've got to be the one that says it so they can hear it, so that it can change our lives, so that it can awaken faith and cause us to believe, so that it can give us direction, so it can bring some correction. Whatever it is, God, that you want to say, our ears are open, our hearts are open to receive. And Father, I just pray that you use me today, just a servant that just says, God, use me. Bless this time we have together in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, one of the things that you may not know about Cynthia is that Cynthia loves to play cards. And she's really good at it. And my kids try to be good at it, and, uh, but she's really good. Judah's pretty good at it. Uh, he's pretty good. He wins from time to time. But Cynthia seems to dominate the scene when it comes to playing cards. Any other good card players in here? Okay. And some of y'all are like, what are we playing? I'm not talking about Uno, okay? <laughs> not talking about Go Fish. No, I'm talking about some of those other complicated games. I'm not a card player at all. I just don't, I just don't do it, man. I like having downtime. I don't want to think. You know what I'm saying? And so... 
Anyway, she's really good at it. And so um, one of the things that we have never done, we've never gone to Vegas. And some of y'all are like, I don't know how to react to that, Pastor Wade. Do we laugh? Do we clap? Do we get upset about it? Like, what's going on here? We've never been to Vegas. Kyle's from Vegas, and so he, he knows how all this stuff works. But Cynthia and I have never been to Vegas. And I think underlying the reason why is because we know if we go to Vegas, Cynthia's going to find herself at some card table. So, you know, when we were in Louisiana, we weren't too far from New Orleans, and there's a few casinos over there. By the way, in Louisiana, they don't call them casinos. They call them casinas, okay? <laughs> Go to the casina and eat the buffet, all right? And so, come on. And so uh, we had to stay away from the casina because if Cynthia goes in the casina, she's going to find herself at some table. In fact, we were on cruises, and you just kind of walk through that area, kind of like this. <laughs> And hold your breath because that's usually where they smoke. And I mean, it's pretty potent in there. And so, um, and so I'm, I'm kind of like mesmerized by all the lights. And I'm like, what is that, a penny slot? I got a penny. Let's see if I can win something. And you never do. And so, um, but this is the fear that I have if we ever went to Vegas and she sat like at a poker table. This is the fear that I have. That she would take every single chip that she has and push it to the middle. And what do they call that? All in. I'm telling you, she would do it. I'm telling you, I mean, put the credit card on. I mean, just put the credit card, put the house, put the kids, put everything. <laughs> Slide it to the middle and let's go. And, uh, and what's crazy is we've never had this discussion, but I think underlying, we know that can't happen, babe. That can't happen. But she is convinced she is convinced, man, and she believes that she will win. So you, you have to understand, if you ever try to like talk about your team to her and our team is playing your team, it don't matter the, the, the dynamics of the game. She is all in when it comes to her team. Okay, you have to know that. And so the same thing is if, if we were at the table playing cards, she's pushing everything to the middle, and she is betting on it because she believes that she can win. That's why she's willing to go all in. And I begin to think about this um, a little bit. Why, when it comes to Jesus, won't we go all in? And I think it's possibly because maybe we don't think we're going to win. We usually bet on things that we know we can win. That's usually how we bet. And so I started to think just some of the reasons, perhaps why we hesitate to go all in with God, all in with the things of God. And sometimes it's because we don't see that as the win. Or maybe, watch this, maybe we don't think that's our best bet. Maybe we got some other areas of our life that has given us a form of success, and so we're betting on that. And, and I've known so many people that have betted on their career to be the source of blessing in their lives. And even though it provided income, it wasn't the source of blessing, but they bet on it so much that their life became consumed with the career. And so even though they were financially provided for, they weren't really blessed. But they went all in. They bet, they bet on it. They bet everything on it. Um, sometimes the reason why we won't go all in is because, watch this, we're all over the place. Our lives have become so busy 
and we're all over the place, there is no way in our minds that we can literally calculate a way that we can really go all in. And so what do we do when we're all over the place? We hold on to all of our chips. And by the way, disclaimer, I am not promoting gambling in any way, shape, or form. Don't gamble. It's going to be bad. You're going to lose money, and we don't need all that. Amen? Amen. Just helping you right there. All right. Um, sometimes people won't go all in because of that one time that they thought they might go all in with that one thing, and it didn't work out the way that they thought. And so now that past experience from that one time is now affecting all the time. Because that happened. Now I gotta watch out for this and I gotta watch out for that. And we 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 lose sight of how good God really is for us. Like we think that we've got to take these matters into our own hands instead of trusting that God's hand is on us and that his hand is with us. Can I tell you this? That God's hand can protect you and your family better than your hands can. And God's hand can provide for you and your family better than your hands can. Now, I'm not saying don't use your hands. But what I'm saying is the trust and the reliance has to be on God's hand so that when you face some things that look like, oh, my God, y'all ever have those moments? Or is that just us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where it's like, God, I trust your hand. Think about that. I trust your hand because you've already went all in. And you are the best bet I have. You're the best bet. So when you look at this in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And I think sometimes we just read this from an historical context and we just kind of make note. Okay, so Jesus came, he was born, all right, he grew up, and then he got baptized, and then he started his ministry, he called his disciples, he did a bunch of miracles. Come on, just follow the timeline with me. You know how it works. He does all the miracles, and then the religious people didn't like that Jesus was doing that, so they got to get rid of him. They didn't know any other way to get rid of him, so they decided we got to crucify him. And they thought that was their plan, but in the middle of their plan, God was actually working his plan. Because they thought they were getting rid of Jesus. They didn't realize they were actually setting him up. And so Jesus goes to the cross to die for all of our sins so that our sins could be forgiven. He's placed in a tomb. Three days later, what happens? Jesus is raised from the dead because you can't stop him. You can't even contain him because he is life. Come on. God had a plan all along. And so he is raised from the dead, and now he is going around, and he's meeting with his disciples before he goes. He's commissioning them. He's giving them authority. He ascends into heaven, and the final instructions is, I want you to hang out in Jerusalem because I got something for you. I got something for you, and you need this. And then we get to Acts chapter 2, and this is where the Holy Spirit is poured out. The very Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of Jesus is given to the disciples, which comes and fills their lives. And what you need to know was this was not just a historical event, but this was a life-changing event for every one of them because it transformed their lives. Everyone that was in that room, there was 120 of them, it transformed their lives. And as a result of this spiritual transformation, and I need you to lock in and hear this because most of the time we hear this stuff at church and we just quickly start making our to-do list and I think you got to have a good checklist but your checklist isn't going to accomplish what you need it to accomplish if it doesn't come from the right place the Holy Spirit transformed their lives which put them in the position to say I'm going all in 
They didn't know what the list looked like yet, but there was a change of heart, an infilling of the Holy Spirit that brought them to a place of convincing where they knew this is the way. I will bet on him with everything that I have. I will give you all of my life, Lord, not just the Sunday version, but the Saturday night at the game, the Saturday night at the tailgate. Come on now. I give you all of my life. I surrender my life all to you. And as a result, there were some incredible things that began to happen in Acts chapter 2 when we read verse 42 through 47, because now we see that they got bigger than themselves. That is what the Holy Spirit does whenever he fills our lives. And that's what God's trying to work in us, that we can get bigger than we are on our own because God is now working in us. Come on. How many of you would listen? You can go one on one with somebody, but you got better chances when you double team them. And so the Holy Spirit, come on, fills your life. He is the one who walks beside us. He fills us. And so God's got you covered from all sides. And so when you go into battle, it's not just you fighting. One can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000. There's a multiplication that happens because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a transformation. It's a changed life. It's a changed mindset. It's a changed heart. And this is what's happening right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And out of that transformation, now they are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now they are meeting together. There was a desire to begin to meet together. Why? Because their lives were changed. And many times we say, oh, now we got to go meet. Now I got to do this. And it becomes our God to list but when it when it comes from life transformation this isn't a got to list this is a get to list this is who I am becoming now it's not just we're busy it's like uh uh-uh we're rearranging our life because this is who God is transforming us into being and it's the result of a spiritual transformation can I hear an amen And so as a result, they go all in with Jesus. And as a result, they went all in with this brand new thing that they had never seen before called the church. Now, for us, we we take this for granted because we've been around church for some time and we know the contextual references. We know all the history of the church and all that. They had no church. They had synagogues. And they had all these different factions and all these different groups, but there was no church because Jesus started the church. He was the beginning of the church, and it happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And what I need us to see is that church isn't meant to be social. It was always meant to be spiritual, but it has some social benefits, amen? And if we only see, we only see it from the perspective of it being social, it will always lead us hanging it will always leave us hanging because you can't get what you need out of life just through the social aspect there is a spiritual aspect in fact you can't even worship socially you can only worship how in spirit and in truth but people are nervous about becoming spiritual because we only know spiritual is being weird am i right you know you see the people with the crystals and reading the moon and got into my horoscope every day. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can I just say that is not holy spiritual at all? And just a word of wisdom, leave that stuff alone. Come on, leave that stuff alone. God's spirit is way better. All right, all right. 
what we see happening here is there was a spiritual transformation, but it also had some social ramifications. But you got to see where it came from. The Holy Spirit moved in their lives, and it caused them to want to meet together. It gave them the desire to meet together. And this puts us squarely into place, and, 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 and just track with me a little bit. This puts us squarely into place. Whenever we, as the body of believers, the church, when we no longer want to meet together, there is something spiritually that is off in our lives. There is something spiritually that is off, and it's usually the result of a social dilemma. That's usually the reason why. That's why it's so important that we understand that church isn't a social gathering, but it's a spiritual gathering. It's a spiritual gathering. I know you're going to see friends today. You're going to shake hands. You may even talk about the game. You may talk about the fish you caught or almost caught. You may talk about the dress you bought. You may talk about a lot of things, but the most important thing is not all of those social things, but it's the spiritual things, because at the end of the day, who you are becoming spiritually is who you are really becoming. The social side is just how we uh, present ourselves. The spiritual side is who we really are. Amen. And so when you're on your social platforms, whatever you're saying on there, just know that it's representing your spiritual side. So if you're going off, your spirit's probably off. Amen? You look at your neighbor and say, I didn't come here for this today. I didn't come here for all this. I didn't, I didn't, that ain't what I'm here for. So the motivation that these guys had for their devotion, the motivation they had for their fellowship, the motivation they had for their generosity, for the unity, for their involvement, for their evangelism, is a direct result of the change that God did in their lives. It was a result of a spiritual transformation. And one of the things that we know about our world today is many people are socially connected, but watch this, they're spiritually depleted. Socially connected, but spiritually depleted. And the Holy Spirit is still being poured out today. Still, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has never stopped. And guess what? Jesus has never stopped transforming lives. And listen, it's not, oh, he got to me and said, there ain't no way I can change him, so let's move on to the next one. That's not how he operates. <laughs> he can change you too. He loves you. Amen? So I know that this term all in is a gambling term. But I want you to see that they bet everything they had because they had this belief that this was the best bet. And they had this belief that this was the win. This was, watch this, the winning hand. I could have named this message the winning hand because they knew that was the hand that was going to cause great victory in their lives. And that, my friends, is the foundation. That, my friends, is the root. That, my friends, is the motivation of what we do and who we are as a church. It's the understanding that even though, yes, we are better together, even though we might be together, we're not that good without him. And we need him. And so when you take him and put him, watch this, not just on the side, but in the center, in the center, 
You see, if you're going to go all in, you don't just pull your, your chips over here to the side. That's not all in. That's all out. All in is I'm putting it in the center. Jesus is in the center, and I give him my life. Watch this. I make him the center of my life. Then your church experience is different when Jesus is the center than when you are the center. Because when you're the center, it all revolves around you. Make this happen for me. Make this work for me. And so Acts 2, 42 through 47, I've heard people through the years tell me the church isn't operating the way it needs to operate until it does all of these things. And so people in the church need to go sell all their stuff and give to the people that don't have all that stuff. Are y'all hearing that? Because y'all know, y'all have heard people say this before. And really, most of the time, those are the people that just wanted all the stuff all the other people had. I'm just going to take a little jab right there, okay? But really, what we see here is the results, but we got to see what causes the results. And what causes the results was life change. It was a spiritual infilling. And you can interpret being filled with the Holy Spirit like this. To be completely filled with the Holy Spirit, I've got to become completely empty of myself. And that's hard for us. Amen? I know. Look at your neighbor and tell him, that's hard. Gosh, I know. So what does it mean to go all in? I want to break this down for you a little bit today because I want you to become convinced that he is your best bet. I want you to be convinced that Jesus is the winning hand. And I want you to be convinced that his work includes his church and we are his church. And as long as we look at church through that social lens, we will always think the church needs to do this, the church needs to do that. We will become offended with people in the church. We can just go down the line and the list of all of the breakdowns of church and just automatically assume that church doesn't work. And it's in our culture today, y'all. It really ha- it is. And, 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 and the, the, the focus on church hurt is higher now than it's ever been. The deconstruction movement where people are giving up their faith and turning to spiritual means, but not holy spiritual. This is a reality of what's going on in our culture. All the while, we have generations that are coming up and they are searching for clarity when it comes to the house of God because they know that religion doesn't work. Y'all track with me. They know religion doesn't work. That's just a show. That's just image. And then they know spirituality doesn't just work because that is weird. But they're looking for something healthy. They're looking for something holy. They're looking for something that lasts. They're looking for something that endures. And that right there puts us all at the place of checking ourselves at the door to make sure that we haven't leaned so far into becoming religious and traditional that we pass on tradition and image and how you got to look and how you got to be instead of who God wants you to be and who God made you to be to another generation. Come on. 
or we go so far spiritual that we can't even figure out what we believe anymore and we can't even figure out what truth is anymore and Jesus no longer to that person is the way, the truth, and the life. He is just a way. He is just a truth and he is just the life of those that believe that stuff. But can I tell you, for us to be the church that Jesus came to establish here on earth, we are the church that will stand on the fact that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. We will not tolerate weird spirituality, and neither will we tolerate this over uh, this overwhelming view that God is an image and that God is scary and that God is only trying to destroy people, but we will look at him from the perspective that I really believe the Bible gives, that he is life-saving, that he is life-giving, that he is life-changing, and he is the best hand. He is the only way. He is the salvation. He is the life. He is the healer. He is the redeemer. He is the one, and that is where we've got to come to the place and say, I'll go all in with that. I will go all in. I will go all in with him. I think sometimes we don't go all in because we're holding on to some things that we like, but can't make the journey with us. If you ever move out of a house into a new home, it doesn't matter if it's a smaller home or a bigger home. There's always the point of decision. Come on, some of y'all are feeling it right now. PTSD from the last time you moved and you got decisions to make. What are we going to do with that? In the loft in our house right now, both my boys moved out in August, and there's stuff in the loft that we just cannot figure out. Elijah, come get your stuff. <laughs> Judah, come get your stuff. I don't know what we're going to do with it. Might get thrown away. I don't know what your mama wants to do. It'll probably wind up in the attic. I don't know, but chances are I'll be the one putting it up there because y'all aren't there. <laughs> But just like when you move, there's stuff. And it's like, where did this stuff come from? Or what are we doing with this? And it's like, no, we can't throw that away. Are we ever going to use it again? No, but we got to keep it. And so many times we won't go all in because there are things that we're holding on to. Things that we're cherishing. Sins that we cherish because it was a great time in New Orleans that one time. You know what I'm saying? And for us to go all in, we've got to let go of that and say, that was not good. Can, can we preach that or do we just need to be positive and encouraging? Come on now. So what does it mean to go all in? Number one, it means I will be involved. This is what it means. I, so watch this. Um, um, and they don't use terms like this anymore. But uh, when Cynthia and I were um, beginning our journey, when she was hot on the trail for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I got about 10 minutes left, so I can't dwell on this story long. Y'all just have to trust me on this one. Yeah. She was, man. And um, so she was moving into this older house, and uh, it needed some work. And, and I, I can do some work. And so me and my best, she just agreed, right, I can do some work. And so my best friend and I, we agreed we would go in and do some repainting and help get some things fixed up so her and her roommate could move in and 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 that's where we began this this romance journey um because the more I would paint those walls the more she fell in love with me <laughs> yeah man yeah. I, I was I was her best bet man you know what I'm saying <laughs> she can't wait to preach to tell you the other side <laughs> um 
And our friends began to notice there were some connections. And, um, but I, I was, I'm, I'm a younger man than her. I'm being careful how I say that. I know she looks way younger than me. But I'm a younger man than her. And so there's about a four-year age difference there, y'all. And so don't worry. She's being called names and stuff. It's all right. She knows what she's got. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Some of y'all are eating this up. Others of you are like, that dude is arrogant. I'm just playing. Calm down. Calm down. All right. And, and I remember um, we had this conversation one night because they they they'd like, oh, y'all need to date, y'all need to date, y'all need to date. And so we had this little conversation one night about it. And it was like we described it like it was a brother-sister kind of relationship. Y'all know how that works. She didn't like that. And it blew up into a fight. And they wouldn't let me leave. They blocked my car in the driveway until I admitted. Isn't that the truth? Don't tell this. I'll tell this though. She admitted it first. She did. She did. And, and then I admitted it. And then we went on a date and we lived happily ever after. Um, so watch this. Y'all listen to this. There's a point in a relationship, though, where you've got to make the decision, I'm going all in. Going all in. And there's no looking back from there. Today, in today's world, a lot of people, they're dating, but they'd never make the decision to go all in. If you've been dating somebody for over a year and you haven't figured out if that's the one, you need, some, you need to figure some things out. Okay? I'm not taking a jab at no one. I'm just saying it's a decision problem. It's not her. It's not him. It's a decision problem. Okay? And it comes down to a decision. Are we going to be involved? And I believe when it comes to the Lord, it's not just come get right with God and get saved. And there's many people in our religious world that have done that, especially in the Bible Belt, that have ran to an altar and are claiming salvation because they got saved. But I've never seen a relation work out where they just say, hey, you want to be boyfriend, girlfriend without them getting involved. There's an involvement that comes with the relationship. Cynthia and I, we got involved, okay? We begin to share life. We begin to do life together. And as a result of the involvement, there were things that were being accomplished and things that were being produced out of our lives because of the involvement. And there's a lot of people that like to spectate church, but they don't get involved in it. And so you can never experience the full power, benefit, and everything that comes with church until you get involved. Amen? There's an involvement. That's why we have e-groups. It's an open door for you to get involved more on a personal level. Big church, look, you got involved. You can get involved on a corporate level, but e-groups, you get involved on a personal level. Fight club, it's men only. You can go to fight club and get involved with men. You can go to sisterhood and get involved with women. We have we have uh, surge youth for 6th through 12th grade, middle and high school. That's a place for them to get involved. We have college ministry, a place for them to get involved. We have emerged kids, a place for them to get involved. There's places for people to be involved, but it comes down to a decision. Am I going all in with this or not? And it comes down to, am I just going to be a spectator or am I going to be a participator? 
And I would just admonish you today, go all in. If, if Jesus has changed your life, make the decision, I'm going all in. Because that is the best hand. That is the best win for your life. I'm going all in. I'm going to be involved. Here's number two. I will be an investor. And, and let me say it like this. Give your life to the one who gave his life to you. Give your life to the one who gave his life for you. I want you to know that you're investing your life in something. You are. You are investing your life in something right now. You're investing it perhaps in your job, perhaps in your family, perhaps in traveling. But the question I want to ask you is what is the return of what you're investing with your life? Not just your finances, because so many times we hear that and we just think, oh, man, the stock market. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the stock market. I'm talking about your life market. Who are the people that you're investing time with? Who are the people that you should be investing time with? What about investing time in him? Or or is that just, uh, I, I had to spend time? Because if we always think spending time, it feels like it costs you something. But if you see it as investing time, you know there's a return and you know there's a reward. I'm investing because I see the value. So I invest. So like when you see a person who serves and they serve cheerfully, this is why they do it. They say, I'm making an investment with my time because I see there's a return. I see there's a reward. I know that this is going to accomplish people being saved. I know that this is going to help the church to, to bring life change to people. And so I invest my time because I know there's a reward. I invest my finances through giving the tithe and through the giving of the offering. Why do I do that? Is it just because we're supposed to pay our tithes? Again, as long as we look at it that way, we will always have a greedy spirit. I know that's strong, but listen, God didn't call us to be greedy. He taught us to be gracious. He called us to be full of generosity and have gratitude. And God knew what he was doing when he set it all up. He says, listen, I want you to be investors. When you're a giver, you're an investor. And that's how generosity flows. And this is what you always see. People who have a hard time with giving and think that church is just out to take people's money. Most of the time, it's because they look at it from a social aspect instead of a spiritual one. That's why. No one's going to make you give at Emerge Church. Ever. No twisted arms, no crying on the stage, none of that. Generosity comes from a heart that's been changed, y'all. Serving comes from a heart that's been changed. That's why what happened in Acts 2 was so key. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit changed their lives. No one was twisting their arm and saying, okay, we're starting this new thing called the church. And for you to be the church, then you got to go down the checklist and you got to make sure you don't do this and all. No, no, no. It was the Holy Spirit that was changing their lives. And here's what we know. If the Holy Spirit transformed us to do this, then it's going to be the same Holy Spirit that only affects our lives, but works through our lives to affect the next person's life. And that's how the Holy Spirit continues to work from God, in us, through us, to them, through them, for the rest of the world. And it just just keeps going on and on, generation after generation, person after person. I will be an investor. 
I'm going all in and I'm investing because I want to see people encounter God. I want people to experience some life change. I want people to be empowered to do something for God, to live on purpose instead of just reacting to all the craziness, but to have some purpose in their lives. So I'll go all in. I'm involved. I'm invested. I'm not a consumer. I'm a contributor. That's such a key statement for us. I'm not just here to get what I can get, but I'm here to be who he wants me to be. And if I become who he wants me to be, I'll have all that I need and I'll be able to give what others will need so they can become all that he has created them to be. Do you see God's remedy for selflessness? Do you see how he he didn't want us to be selfish, but he gave us the Holy Spirit? That's why I say he makes us bigger than ourselves. There's so many people that I've seen serve through the years. And many times when they start, they never knew that they can do this. There there were people standing up here today as e-group leaders. And I've heard them say, I never thought I'd be the one that gets to do this. And what happened? It was a spiritual transformation that took place in their life that grew them to the place that they can give what they have been receiving. For them to lead a group, it's an investment. Is it going to cost them some time? Yes. But there's been a lot of time invested in them. Are you, are you grabbing this today? Here's the last one. Not only am I going to be involved, not only am I going to be an investor, but I will be an influencer. And I'm not talking about get you a TikTok and start promoting the product and give reviews and get comments. That's not what I'm talking about. In our mission statement, we lead people to follow Jesus so they can live out God's plans for their lives. It puts us squarely in the place to realize we were called to be an influence. And believe it or not, every one of us here, you have an influence on someone. There is influence in your life. You're getting influenced by someone, but you're also influencing someone. And when Jesus called us with the Great Commission, and he says, go make disciples, you know what he was saying? Go influence people to follow me. That's what he was saying. Influence them through your words. Influence them through your actions. Influence them through your example. Influence them through your decisions and the way that you live your life. So they can see an example to follow. See, that's what Jesus was. He was an example to follow. The most perfect example. And that's why people are still following him today. And they've tried to shut it down. People throughout the world have tried to stop this move of God called the church for over 2,000 years, and it still thrives. In countries all across this globe, where there are governments that don't allow freedom of religion, they try to stop it, and the church still thrives. Because you can't stop what God has started. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against me. And there's people that hell is prevailing against them in this world today. And they can't figure out why. And the reason why is because they need a church. That's why they need a church. They need a body of believers that they can stand together with. Don't you know that the church isn't just the bride of Christ, but it's also the army of God. Come on. There's some authority that comes with being the church. There's, listen, our, our momentum is always advanced as the church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And we got to be aware of what we're a part of, 
But if you're not involved and you're not invested, you don't think that way. We don't think that way. To be an influencer, it's realizing in my sphere of influence, I can influence someone. I can help them. I can help them go somewhere. And you say, where am I going to take them? Take them where Jesus has brought you. Help them to take a step of faith in their lives. If you want to influence people, pray for them. Pray for them. Invite someone to church. Share your faith story with them. Tell them how you came to the Lord. Or perhaps they're walking through something really, really tough. You don't need to preach for them. You know what you need to do? You need to encourage them and offer to pray for them. And not just pray for them during the week. Pray for them in person so they can hear your faith. They can hear your faith. And afterwards, they'll probably be in tears. Even if it's a guy. They'll probably be in tears. You know why? Because they picked up on the faith that you have, believing that God can do it. And now it has affected their life. That's called influence, friends. Influence. We can influence people. So we can pray for them. We can lead them to Jesus. We can encourage them. We can help them with the need that they may have in their lives. But God has called us to be an influence, to be a light in the world. And this isn't just for a select group of people in the church. This is for the church. It's for you. It's for all that call Jesus their Lord and Savior. It's for everyone that's in this room, for those who are watching online. It's for us. And the question today is this. Are you going to go all in? Or are you still holding some things back? See, changed lives, that's what Jesus does. And when we don't go all in, this is what we're basically saying. Jesus, I got enough of you changing my life. That's good. That's good. Not, no, no more. No more. Don't heal this part of me because I still want to use that because that's my comeback whenever these troubles start happening. This is my way of coping. This is my way of dealing. So you can do everything, but don't touch that. Change lives. It's what he does. And the Holy Spirit will not leave us alone. Can I tell you that? The Holy Spirit is not going to leave you alone. And you should be thankful for that. He won't leave you alone until you say, okay, Lord, I'm all yours. I'm all in. The perspective of church can't just come from a preacher, y'all. It's got to come from the one who started the church. And it comes from Jesus himself. And so to treat church like an option, to treat, treat involvement like it's an option, it really gives a picture of where we are in our relationship with him. And can I just say this today? That relationship with God is more valuable than what you will ever, ever know. And today I just encourage you to make the decision going all in going all in with Jesus going all in with you Lord because you're the best hand you're my best win he went all in for you let's go all in for him every head bowed every eye closed in this place today as we finish this morning I just want to present it this way 
Will you make the decision to go all in? And that's going to mean different things for different people in this room right now. Because there are some that do not have a relationship with Jesus. But realize today, I need to go all in with him and surrender my life to him. Announce him as my Lord and Savior. Follow him. Let him transform my life. But then there's also the person with the church background that has basically created boundaries. And their spiritual growth has been stunted by an opinion or by an influence that wasn't godly. But you know there's more. You know there's more for you that God wants to do, not just for you, but in you. And there's things that God wants to do, not just in you, but even through you. And today would be the day that you make the decision, Jesus, I'm going all in. You're my best bet. There are others, you're serving, you're involved, but there, there's that area, that area, that one area that you still reserve for yourself. You reserve the wisdom that you have for it. You reserve the decisions that you have for it. And you just won't bring the Lord in there. And today, even as I was sharing this message, even though we're talking about things with the church, the Lord just keeps bringing that to your mind. And today, the Lord is just saying, go all in. And I think he's saying this to those that I'm talking about right now. He's saying this, I can be trusted. He's saying, I can be trusted. And if you're here today and you're one of those three people and you say, Pastor, I just sense the Lord saying, I got to go all in. I just want you to slip up a hand and then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Anyone else? There's plenty of hands going up all across the room. I've got to go all in. Come on. I got to get past my opinions. I got to get past all of these different angles and perspectives that I've created from things in the past, things that have hurt that, that one time, what happened at that one church that one time. That's not every church. That was that person at that church and that incident. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. I'm investing my life. I'm not just giving it. I'm investing it because he's invested so much. And I just want to pray for you this morning. Will you all stand across this room? Father, I thank you that you went all in. You didn't reserve anything back. You didn't just give us good teachings. You didn't just give us good miracles. But you gave us all of your life. You gave it all so that every single part of our lives, all of us, could be transformed into who you always created us to be and what you always planned for us to be. And so, Lord, today we make a decision to surrender our lives. I want you to put yourself in surrender position today. I want you to lift both your hands to him today. This is the surrender position. That's why we worship like this, because we're surrendered to God. And today, Lord, we give ourselves to you. We're going all in. Tell him I'm going all in, Lord. We surrender our heart to you, our mind, our opinions. We surrender our emotions to you, our positions to you. We surrender it all to you today, Father. And we ask you to come and transform our lives, transform our hearts, transform our minds, renew us to where we think like you. 
that we no longer are thinking from the perspective of the pit. But Father, we can stand tall and see, God, from your perspective that your ways are truly higher than ours. And so today, Lord, we make a conscious decision. We're going all in. We're laying aside all of these other things. We're laying aside our offenses. We're laying aside our perspectives. And we're saying, your way, Lord. Your way. Your way. We will be involved. We will be invested. And we will be an influence for you, Jesus. Father, I pray your light not only will shine on us, but it will shine through us. Thank you that today is a day of transformation, a day of breakthrough, a day where change is made. New attitudes today, new hearts, new minds today. We lay down some things, Lord, to you now. We lay down some habits that are not helpful. We lay down some hurts that have been holding us back. We lay it down. We lay down some opinions. And Father, we open ourselves to you. For those of you who don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you pray this prayer with me this morning? Say, dear Lord, thank you for giving your life when you went to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for paying that price that I owed for all of my sins. I ask you to forgive me and I give you my life. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior and I ask you to change me. Make me a new person. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.